Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. This episode is an SLP Life Happens with Sarah. This is a series where I share a thought or idea to help you with words of wisdom, action items, or thoughts that can help you feel more like the awesome SLP you already are. On these solo episodes, I'll discuss a topic that really impacts our profession, um, covering usually self-care, mental health, work-life integration, work-life factors that impact our happiness and health, our own physical health and happiness. And this gives me an opportunity to talk about these topics and specifically how they impact us as SLPs. And if I've personally experienced the issue as I have for most of these, I'll share what worked and what didn't as I worked my way through. So today's topic is, should I be a generalist or a specialist? And what are the downsides and upsides of each? So just to start off the conversation, I believe there really isn't a right answer for everyone. And there are lots of people on the internet and probably in real life too, who will tell you that you should absolutely specialize. Um, That's just a really popular topic these days. And there are also people who will say that our scope of practice is so big, it's better to be a generalist. And there, there really is no better but there are some considerations for both. So let's dig in. SLP Happy Hour is sponsored by the Informed SLP. As speech-language pathologists, we depend upon good research to serve our clients well. We strive to use evidence-based practice. But how much time do we really have to search for new evidence? Reading research articles is time-consuming. Let the informed SLP save you time by finding the research for you. They search all of the top speech-language pathology journals each month, looking for the articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice. They provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EVP. Join now at theinformedslp.com slash slphappyhour and enter the code SLPHAPPYHOUR at checkout for 50% off of your first three months. Here's a bit about my own history, uh, when I've been a generalist versus a specialist in my own career, and how I've sort of fumbled my way forward in my own SLP career. And I wanted to share this just to lay the foundation, but also... As I talk about this topic, I know that I love hearing stories of other SLPs, how their careers have gone, and um, that's usually helped me learn more about myself and think about my own SLP life differently. So here we go. I've been an SLP now for 12 years, and I would say most of that time was a generalist, mainly because I was working in school systems, where I, I just felt like I had to because there's a big, a wide range of areas. Um, But there were always certain areas that just clicked. Like I've always loved phonology, but not like to work on the R sound. I found that really hard. So um, that's still mostly true, but I've also uh, learned lately that I've really loved working with apraxia as well. So I've had a few interest areas, but overall I've been a generalist and I've felt that This is really what I've needed to stay in my jobs and do a good job. 
So I would say that being a generalist, imposter syndrome definitely sets in, and we have an episode all about that, um, which I'll link up to in the show notes. So about three years ago, my work life changed from uh, 100% of the schools to about 50-50 private practice and school contracts. And I definitely felt like a fish out of water. I think it's hard to learn something new, especially when you feel like you've laid that foundation in your career and you finally kind of know what you're doing in your work world to then just switch settings. And also with my private practice, I'm now working almost exclusively with birth to five. And previous to that, I'd really only worked with older kids. So I didn't feel confident doing it. And I I felt like in a lot of ways I was starting all over. So in my school contract work, um, it's best for me to know a lot about a wide variety of areas. But in my clinic, I'm really focused on preschoolers. And I would say that I have a lot of apraxia, phenology, and autism, um, mainly because that's the needs of the community around me. So this brings us to a kind of fun thought experiment to figure out if you're a generalist or a specialist. And um, some of you may have heard of it already, and it's the fox or the hedgehog concept. So are you a hedgehog or a fox, or which do you want to be? And this is borrowed from philosopher Isaiah Berlin's thoughts which is hedgehogs work on one big thing. Foxes know many little things and are also called integrators. And part of what's happening right now in the workplace is that we think foxes who know a little bit about a lot of different things, or you know, maybe it, they just have a mix. Um, we think that foxes are better at pulling in information, processing, connecting the dots from one area to another, and even predicting the future. So the bottom line is one isn't better and you should be you. I do feel like right now it's really trendy to be a specialist. And I think for some people that builds their own confidence. And I personally have felt a lot more freedom when I say like, hey, I'm going to take all sorts of continuing education this year, but I'm going to focus on one or two areas. So I would say I'm largely a generalist. So that would be the Fox concept. Um, and I have been for most of my career. I think that being a generalist can really be a strength and that you should never feel bad about that at all. But you have to remember if you're a generalist, you can't expect yourself to know it all and that, because that's really not taking care of yourself or being kind to yourself. It's also okay if you're a generalist to decide on um, focusing on a few areas that you want to build every year. It's something that's really helped me to say, hey, this year I'm gonna focus on building my skills in AAC, for example. And my guess, and I could be totally wrong, is that most SLPs are foxes. We just do a little bit of it all. Um, but we might have, of course, areas that are stronger than others. And there are absolutely SLPs who just dig deep into one thing and, um, just do, for example, apraxia. But for me, I, I don't know very many SLPs like that. I think most SLPs that I know are generalists. So is being a generalist good for our mental health? And I think that being a generalist can be great because we can draw connections between things. For example, as I've gotten more interested in fluency and voice, 
I realized, I've realized that the same hierarchy I use for articulation can be really helpful for those areas and those skills. So I'm able to transfer those skills. So being a generalist really does allow us to pull our knowledge from one area into another and strengthen our clinical work. But there is a pitfall of being a generalist and it's when we expect ourselves to know everything and that just isn't possible. So I remember, for example, working in the schools and having a student with a repaired cleft palate and, I, and really nasal speech, and I'd never treated this before, and I didn't know much about voice, and I felt really stuck. So again, being a generalist, I think it's really easy for imposter syndrome to set in. Uh, so we have to remind ourselves in these situations that we can't know it all. So that was um, maybe seven years between that and my next voice client. So for me, I would say there are areas like voice that I just don't treat very often. And I'm not a hedgehog. I don't have, you know, one or two areas that I'm super dug into. I kind of do it all. And so as generalists, we will pick up what we need to know, but we also need to realize that sometimes we're just gonna do the best job we can and move on. So I did, for example, the cleft palate student, I did read articles and revisit textbooks, but I was also working more than 50 hours a week at that time. And so it really wasn't realistic for me to become an expert in cleft palate at that time. So as long as you're doing the best you can, researching as you have time and bandwidth, um, you can really rely on your other clinical knowledge to make connections as you move forward so that you can do your best work with your students or your clients. But remember to not expect yourself to know everything. What happens when we are generalists and we expect ourselves to perform at a high level or um, be experts on every area? Um, First, it results in our own high expectations of ourselves. So of course we may get a client who's different from the other clients we see and we might feel like we're starting all over. It really feels that way. Um, but it's not always realistic to research every single disorder area we work with. Um, and so to really think about those high expectations and if they're realistic. Also, there is a social pressure um, the coworkers, clients, and families we work with might expect that we know absolutely everything about a certain uh, disorder area. And I think that there's a pressure to put on this professional front, like, oh yes, of course I know about this. Um, but it, in my opinion, that is really going to hurt our relationships with our coworkers and the families we work with. And honesty is the best policy. So to think, and to even say, uh, you know, I haven't treated this disorder area in a couple of years, so here's what I do know. And as I learn more information, would you like me to share it with you? Um, so remember that unreal, an unrealistic expectation is an unrealistic expectation, whether it's coming from coworkers or families, from clients or from ourselves, um, that we cannot be generalists and know it all. And to look outside our profession, for example, think about a primary care provider, right? Um, so depending on where you live, they may be called like a GP or a PCP, but wherever you go for your annual health exam, 
The primary care provider's strength is that they can handle your yearly checkups. But if something else happens, they will refer you and it's their job to refer you. So a lot of times when I use that metaphor, people will say, oh, but I'm in a rural area or I'm in a school and I can't refer. And when that happens, I think a lot of times uh, we can mention that there are other services available and that it's their choice um, where to go. If you're making a direct referral, you're going to want to talk to your school district about how they'd like you to do that. But I will say this, that it is unethical to not let parents know that there are other options for speech therapy. So again, see how your school district or wherever you're working wants you to handle this. But I think a lot of times we're afraid to um, mention that there are other SLPs around. Um, and it's always best to, again, check with the policy of your workplace, but also be honest and let um, parents and families know that there are other providers. Also remember that generalists have a lot of clinical strengths. They can holistically look at things. They can make connections. But one of the strengths of generalists can also be one of our weaknesses as we have high expectations for ourselves and think that we should have this deep, deep level of knowledge about all of these hundreds of, or maybe even thousands of disorder areas. So know when to research, know when to ask for help. As generalists, we're usually pretty good at this and do your best. I hope this episode has helped you to think more about if you're a fox or a hedgehog, and if you're a generalist, to really give yourself some credit for your strengths, to think deeply about your expectations for yourself, and to move forward with confidence as a generalist. Before you go, if you like conversations like these, please subscribe to our newsletter. You can do that at slphappyhour.com forward slash newsletter, and we'll link it up in the show notes. I hope this episode has brought a bit of happiness to you, and we will catch you next episode. Thank you for listening in, giving yourself the time to learn about being a generalist as an SLP, its strengths, its potential impacts on your own mental health as a generalist, and what to do about it. Remember to continue to take care of yourself as you care and care deeply about the humans you work with. Thank you for taking the time to work on being gentler with yourself as you continue to do the work you do because your clients are important and so are you. Until next time. Thank you.